Matthew chapter number 7 in your Bibles. Good morning. Good to see all of you. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here this morning. And may the Lord bless you as we are coming to the conclusion of what we've been uh, looking at for some time. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples, <clears throat> the disciples were uh, hearing the Lord praying. And as they heard him pray, they said, in Luke's gospel it is recorded, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we've sought to do here in these days that we've just been through together. And many of you have been with us from the beginning and others of you have joined in with us. So the Lord has taught us a number of things. He's taught us the importance of praying the disciples' prayer. That's Matthew chapter number 6. And uh, we'll look at some of that in uh, some detail again, reminding you of that in a moment. Praying is adoration. It's petition. Praying is, is confession. Praying is praising the Lord. Uh, we re we're reminded also that in praying there is this wonderful duty and yet blessing and promise that comes as we pray. God blesses us. And then we must continue in prayer. So those are all important things that the Lord is teaching us. And we come to that last set of lessons today <clears throat> on praying in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 7. So let's read God's Word together. I hope you have your Bible out and you can follow along. Matthew 7, verse number 7. The Lord Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when he, his son asks for a loaf will give him a, a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake? Surely he will not. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for the choir leading us to sing praise and glory to Your name. Lord Jesus, You have led the way for us to come to the throne of grace. We come now, we say, Heavenly Father, gracious Lord Jesus, blessed Holy Spirit, we love You, Lord. We thank God. For all of your mercy and grace to us, we thank God for his salvation. Heavenly Father, you've given all of this to us. We did not deserve it. Today we come to think about, Lord, these very important words you've given us here today, both a command and a promise in prayer. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here today. All of us are in a different place in our prayer lives. I pray that today you'd be with the, the, father, uh, the foster children and those who are fatherless. Pray for those that may, you, may there be more people who step forward to say, I will be a foster parent or an adoptive parent. We pray that you'd be with these dear children in their condition. We know that you are, you are there with them and you will help them. May First Baptist Church, may we continue to understand and focus on our responsibility to come alongside and minister to these, the least of these, the forgotten ones. 
We pray now, Lord, that you might give us understanding from your word, that we might understand what it is that we have before us. May we really believe the words that Jesus Christ, our Lord, has just said and we've just read. May we really believe these words as your disciples so that we might have great encouragement in our praying. So, Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for the time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, our focal truth for today is this, that we pray persistently, asking God the Father to meet our needs. We pray, this is the lesson of the Lord Jesus. What's the last lesson that uh, for this period of time we're going to consider about learning to pray? Are you hearing it? We pray persistently asking God the Father to meet our needs. This is at the heart of praying. And uh, the problem with us reading uh, Matthew 7, 7 in English is we don't see what is a very important uh, grammatical matter. We have here, in, if we read this in the Greek language, these are imperative verbs. They are, they are imperatives. That means they are commands. So the Lord is commanding us as disciples. Listen, a command. He is commanding us to pray. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. He's commanding us. This is another description of praying with persistence. We ask in prayer. We seek in prayer. Seek. It's a command. And you will find. Knock. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's another, another part of persistence in prayer. And it will be opened to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. There is the command, listen, ask, and then there's the promise. Church, this is for you. This is for you. We ask, and it will be given. We pray and we seek, and it, we will find, and we pray and we knock, and it will be opened. Some of you have been praying about some things in your life for a long time, haven't you? Some of you have been praying about certain things in your life and requests and needs you consider you have for years. Some of us in this room, sadly, have about given up on praying. And some of us don't pray. I've often wondered why it is that believers find themselves praying less rather than praying more. Well, this is why the Lord has given us these words. They are, they are important because notice the issue is ask and it. You see that there, it? It's implied in all three phrases of verse 7. Ask and it. What's the it? It's your needs. It's what you really need. Ask and what you really need will be given. This is why we pray. Ask and it will really be given. Your real need will be given. Seek and your, it's implied. It's hard to say it in English. Seek and your real need, you will find it. You'll find the answer to your need. And then knock and it will be open. 
the answer to your need. It means a lot in these words. So there is the three imperatives of commands linked to three promises. You'll be given, you'll find, and it will be open to you. Boys and girls, learn to pray like Jesus taught you to pray. Pray and ask God. Keep asking God. That's like seeking and keep knocking. That's even more than seeking. You just continue to be persistent in praying. I wonder today, those of you who are about giving up on prayer, what, what is it that's led you to quit praying? Why won't you pray anymore? Are you discouraged? Do you believe God's forgotten about you? You think you're not important enough to God? You think that the things you're going through don't matter and God's really not that interested. He's got a lot of big, more important things to do. And so because of that, you've, you've stopped praying or you're about to stop praying. It's interesting that we learn about prayer. Why does the Lord command us to pray as a duty as disciples? See, this is not a suggestion here. It's not like a wonderful warm devotional thought. This is a command to every believer who hears my voice today. Ask. It's a command. Ask for it. Seek it. Knock. This is the command of our Lord. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you say Jesus is Lord, that means you obey what the Lord says. These are demands we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. I'm convinced that prayerlessness comes because people deny their neediness. Prayerlessness comes because people say, I don't need anything. What a sad thing to believe that you have all of your needs met. And you're self-satisfied, self-sufficient, and you don't need God. Prayerlessness denies, denies neediness. So I have three observations for you today that I want to expand on from these words. Number one, the lesson that the Lord is teaching us is this, that we pray admitting, admitting. When you pray, you're admitting something. You know what you're admitting? I am a needy person. That's what you're doing when you pray, when you bow the knee, when you go to the secret place, when nobody else is awake, when everybody else has gone to bed or you find that secret. You go there with your neediness. You go there with your neediness. Prayer is admitting your neediness to God the Father. Secondly, prayer, as we learn here from the Lord, is persistently asking God the Father to supply our needs. And we'll talk for a moment about persistence in our praying. And then finally, I want to comment for a moment and, and tie together what I hope will be very encouraging for you. You see, we have a command to pray, but listen, the Lord Jesus himself has promised what happens when his disciples pray. And the last thing is we'll pray. And when you pray, you must remember the Lord's promises that God the Father will meet our needs. 
So let's get to it. Let's get back and first talk about our neediness for a moment. You came to church and the preacher reminded you of your neediness. We all have neediness. The man standing before you has need. We all are needy people. We are all beggars before God. We are all those who cannot satisfy on our, we're deceived. This is self-delusion. You see, the world's self-delusion is, I don't need God. I'll figure out how to do it on my own. Self-delusion. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, your eyes are, are awakened and you realize, I can't do anything for myself. How do we discover our neediness? Well, that's why we say, I need it. I need to find it. I need it to be open to me. I need, I have need in my life. So we go and we pray. And you see, the greater, the greater we see our neediness, listen to me, the more important prayer becomes to you. Some of you have no self-awareness that you have any needs. You really believe you can do it without God. Don't give a Sunday school answer. Don't give a religious church in the church house answer. You're not praying. You must probe and ask yourself, why do I not pray? Why do I not do what the Lord says for me to do? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I hear the command, pray. So let's get to neediness. I'll just use this Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and let's talk about neediness. You see what the Word of God, listen, you know why we study the Word of God? You know why we read the Word of God? You know why we spend time meditating and memorizing it? You know why the Word of God is so central to our lives? Because it exposes our deep neediness. It shows me what I need in my life, not only in my external life, but also in my spiritual life, my internal person. It shows me what I need to correct in my mind, shows me the needs that need to be changed in my affections and passions. So let's look at some of the needs we've discovered. What did we learn in the disciples' prayer? Go back to Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. What did we say? What do we say? Give us, give us. That means I can't give myself. That means I have a need. I need somebody to give me something. Give us this day our daily bread. I need forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. I need leadership and direction in my life. And lead us, we say in verse 13. And deliver us in verse 13. We have these great needs in our life for daily provision, both spiritual and physical, forgiveness, guidance, deliverance. But we also discover in Matthew chapter 6, this unbelievable thing about the need to overcome worry. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and look at verse number 25. For this reason I say to you, these are Again, I'm showing you now in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the great demands of the Lord Jesus Christ for every disciple who hears my voice today. These are demands. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These are not ideas and thoughts and philosophies you can toss around and maybe pick one or two. This is what you do. This is how you live this is how you think if you're a follower of Jesus. So the Lord says something unbelievable. For this reason I say to you, 
Do not be worried about your life. Are you serious, Lord? Why? I live in a world of practicing worriers. I live in a world of expert, experienced, professional worriers, and I'm one of them. My family is a family of worriers. Congratulations. Everybody's family. No matter what language, no matter what background. He says, don't worry about your life. Does that mean just be irresponsible? He's not saying that. He's talking about that great pain, that great weight in your mind that will terrorize you. That is anxiety and worry and stress. We, we hear from the medical professionals today that especially young people are stressed and in anxiety at a greater level than at any other time in history. Children and students in great anxiety, worry, fear, and mental agitation. Suicides rate, suicide rates highest as ever for students and children. Worrying, anxious children. Starting young and worrying. You see, when I hear the Lord say, don't worry, I realize I have a need because I worry. I have anxiety. I have stress. I pressure myself. I'm struggling every... I have need, the Lord says, don't worry about life. We go on in the Sermon on the Mount. We, this what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we see these other demands. What about being a follower of Jesus? Well, we, we learn in Matthew chapter 5... Beginning in verse 3, you can just go back over there. I'm just going to take you through some words and I'll guide you through it. But I'm trying to demonstrate how much need we really have. The demands of the Lord Jesus are these. If you say you're saved, these are, your character, these are the characteristics of your life. You'll be poor in spirit. You'll mourn over your sinfulness. You'll be gentle. You'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll be merciful. You'll be pure in heart. You'll be a peacemaker. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll live and pray for those who persecute you and rejoice in being persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say you have to be perfect to be saved, but these are the qualities that God is changing in us as we're growing in Christ. There's not a Christian in this room that can say, I'm completely poor in spirit, I mourn, I'm gentle. No, we all still have sin in our life. We all still fall short. I'm needy. I'm needy of greater poverty of spirit. I'm needy of greater mourning over my, the, the lingering sin nature in my life. I'm needy. I'm not gentle like I should be to others always. I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness like I should. I'm not merciful. I'm brutal and I'm hostile and I'm critical and cynical and bitter and harsh toward others. I'm not a peacemaker. I'm a war maker. And I certainly, certainly avoid anything that makes me be persecuted for following Jesus. You see, when I read those, what are called the Beatitudes, I say, I have need. I must go to God in prayer and talk about and evaluate myself. But I go on. I go on. You see, the Lord Jesus also says down in chapter 5, verse 13, you're the salt and the light of the world. 
What Brother Todd get up here and say today? We've been praying as a church. We're not doing this just as some fad or something. We're trying to seriously consider this. We must pray as a church to live worthy of the gospel. How does the Lord say it? Be salty. How are you salty? Well, you're salty because you're poor in spirit. You mourn. You're gentle. You hunger. You see, this is all the things that the world's not. That's your saltiness and your light. Let your light shine. Well, we don't always let it shine. We hide it. We're ashamed about it. That's why we say we have need. Let me go on. The Lord Jesus raised standards and the demands for followers of Jesus. Oh, the law of Moses is powerful. The law of Moses stands to reveal sin. But the Lord now, beginning in Matthew 5, 21, going all the way through to verse number 48, he reminds us of here's the way a believer lives. Here's the way a disciple lives. We put aside our anger. We're not angry with our brothers and sisters. We restore broken relationships. We avoid lust and godless, sinful uh, passions and desires. We avoid committing adultery. We avoid committing adultery. We do not live in adulterous relationships. We keep the marriage bed pure. We live, we keep our commitments. We say yes and no. And when we say yes and no, we mean it. We do not retaliate. We do not retaliate. It doesn't matter what they've done, whether it's right or wrong, whether they deserve it. We do not retaliate. We turn the cheek. We keep turning the cheek over and over. We give to anyone who asks us, no matter what they ask us for. And we pray and love our enemies. These are the demands of the Lord Jesus. And if that's not enough, in verse 48 of 5, he says, You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. These are the demands placed upon disciples of Jesus. That's why we begin by saying, We ask for all of the Lord's grace and mercy and help so that we might live as followers of Jesus. But that's not all. Chapter 6 reminds us that we don't live righteously to be seen by men. If you're here today and you're happy to be here because you need some people to see you, you're not here for the right reason. To make business arrangements or connections or to connect. No, you see, we're not to practice our righteousness before men to be seen by them. We are to, <clears throat> what do we do? <clears throat> we give. We give of our money. We give of our time. We give of who we are. We give. We're givers. We pray as we've been doing for all these weeks. We pray, but we also fast. We don't <clears throat> think about it, talk about it. We fast. We fast and we practice avoiding food and other things so that we might give our attention to knowing the will of God in our lives. That's why we pray, Lord, I need your help. That's not all. That's not all. In chapter 6, verse 33, we are told the demand is this. Here's what you're supposed to seek. Here's your life ambition if you're a disciple. If you're a follower of Jesus today, no matter what your job is, whatever your age is, here's your ambition. Here is the, here is the matter 
that you must pursue and seek all of your life. Seek first His kingdom, the reign of God in your life. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all the other things of life line up and go in place. And oh, finally, in chapter 7, do not judge so that you will not be judged. The problem of the world is we judge everybody else. We don't judge ourselves. The opposite is true for the follower of Jesus. Some of you, it's easy to sit on the throne, judge's throne, and judge everybody at the church house, isn't it? Why don't you judge yourself rather than judging others? This is what the Lord says. You see, you've got a big, long plank, lumber plank coming out of your eye. Your neighbor has a speck. You've got a problem with judgment. You're judging the wrong person. Now I've used this and I've spoken the way I'm speaking because these are the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ for every disciple. Not just the preachers and the deacons and the teachers. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, oh my, you've heard it just like, like me and you have to say, I need to go to prayer. I have needs, I have added, I have broken relationships. I'm living in sexual desires and passions. I'm, I'm not keeping my commitments. I'm living in reta open retaliation. I hate people. I won't forgive them. I can go on and on. Every disciple hears the demands of the Lord Jesus for discipleship. And you know what we say? Forgive me. I need your grace. I need your help. I need your mercy. I want to be more like Jesus. Secondly, we pray persistently about these things. So you cannot come here today and you see, you'll never pray if you have no need. And the point is, you won't know you have any need unless you open the word of God and like a mirror, let it show you what's really inside of you. You see, the word of God will read your mind. The word of God will probe better than any medical device used to look inside your body you see, the Word of God separates down to the division between soul and spirit. What a fine, minute division that is. Showing us our motivations. Showing us who we are. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why I take the Word of God to prayer. And that's why I listen to the Word of God before I ever pray. In my praying. So we pray persistently. The Lord's saying here. He's saying basically in Matthew 7, 7. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Some of you have about quit praying for certain things in your life, haven't you? Well, the Lord's never heard me. I want to remind you of persistence by two illustrations. Two earthly, everyday stories of Jesus called parables many times in Luke. Just turn over to Luke's gospel for a moment and I'll be brief. Luke chapter 11 and also we'll look at Luke 18 for just a moment. Two stories. These stories illustrate for us persistence in prayer. Have you given up praying for a certain need in your life? Have you given it up? You go back and you think about your prayer life in the past. What you used to pray for those unanswered prayers. Well, the Lord saying something quite astounding. Ask and it will be given to you and seek and you'll find and knock and it'll be open to you. So here we read. Here we read after Luke gives us the disciples prayer. 
He says to us, uh, suppose one of you have a friend. This is verse number five, Luke 11, five. You have a friend, you go to him at midnight, he says, and you say, friend, lend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I don't have anything to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, don't bother me. The door's already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot, I cannot get up and give you anything. The Lord Jesus says, verse eight, I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he keeps knocking on the door. He keeps asking. He keeps, give me the bread. Give me the bread. Hey, friend, give me the bread. Hey, friend, give me the bread. Hey, friend, isn't that annoying? I'm just saying it over. Hey, friend, give me the bread. Isn't this annoying? Hey, friend, give me the bread. What do you want? You see... The Lord teaches us persistence. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. Luke 18. Luke 18, chapter number 18, verse number 1. Now, the Lord Jesus was telling them a parable, an everyday story, to show that, at listen, at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. That means a lot of people don't pray all the time and a lot of people lose heart when they're praying. They give up. They give up praying. They don't pray about things anymore. And what does he say? He tells a story. In a certain city, there was a judge and he did not fear God, and did not respect man. Verse three, this is 18.3. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Give me legal protection from my opponent. Give me, the judge would go down another street. There she was. Give me legal protection from my <clears throat> opponent. He'd go to the courthouse, think he was fine. And lo and behold, there she was. Give me legal protection from my opponent. Over and over. For a while, he was unwilling <clears throat> to hear her request. But afterward, he said it to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Hear what the righteous judge says, verse 6. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. He will bring about... You see, we have a problem with time when we pray. We have a time and God has a time. Our asking is asking in God's time, not our time. Some of you have been asking God for things, as I have for many years in your life, and you see, you've been asking for a long time, but it wasn't time. You've asked for it for a long time, but it wasn't time. So the Lord says something strange. He'll answer quickly, yet the quickness of God's response seems like a delayed long time to us as we pray. You see, persistence in prayer teaches us to walk by faith, doesn't it? Persistence in prayer teaches us to count on God the Father, not ourselves. You see, the longer I pray about a need, the less likely I am to say that I can take care of my needs. You need God. If God doesn't do it, <clears throat> it won't happen. Until you get to that place, you don't know how to pray. So praying, as we learn here from the Lord, and I could expand on this matter of persistence. 
First, we pray this, this lesson, remembering that we are needy people. Praying itself expresses that I am a needy one, and I always will be a needy one. Secondly, it is persistently bringing my request before the Lord, asking, seeking, knocking, asking, seeking, knocking. I came to the prayer room yesterday and I prayed it. I come today. I come to the prayer room a year from now, 10 years from now. I'm still asking. I'm still seeking. You see, we're praying. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Where's the delay? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, render ju justice for your people who have been persecuted since the beginning of the Lord Jesus and the gospel. Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, we ask you to come. We ask you to answer our prayers. But now we remember this. You know why I'm able to pray persistently? Because of the promises that the Lord Jesus gives us when we pray. Let me just give them to you quickly. If you don't mark anything else, if you don't listen to anything else I've said, I hope you hear this as we finish. Matthew 6, number, Matthew 6 verse number 8. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I got a promise for you now. <clears throat> listen, my friends, this will keep you praying. This will keep you praying. This will, keep, this will give you hope. Some of you have quit praying about something. You've given up. Well, God just must... No. No. Keep praying. This is the command. Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask. Seek. Knock. With this in mind. With this in mind. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. So when I pray... As I pray persistently, you know what happens? What I thought was my need, I discover God shows me what the real need is. Something happens when I'm persistently praying. Secondly, he says to a second promise is in chapter 6, verse 32. What is the cure for anxiety? What is the cure for worrying about things in this world? We won't have enough. We'll run out. <clears throat> things are going to go bad. You know these words. But now take them to heart as you pray. The Gentiles eagerly seek all of these worldly things to take care of themselves. But notice, your heavenly Father, I'm talking to Christians here. Your heavenly Father. He's better than your, heaven, your earthly Father. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things in this world to make it. But the way He gives them to you is going to be different from the way you think you ought to have them. You may not have as much as you think you should. So your prayer is a negotiation with God for volume or how much. Rather than, here's my need. Give us this day our daily bread. There's a promise for you. But there's another one. Chapter 7, verse number 11. What man of you... Among you, verse 9, asks, his son asks for a loaf of bread and he gives him a stone or, or gives him a snake. No, of course not. Notice how much more. Here's a promise for you. As you're praying, may this echo in your minds. When you're about to give up, <clears throat> when you're about to say, I don't think God's going to hear my prayer. I don't think God cares about what I'm saying to him. When you're about to give up, how much more 
will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, your heavenly Father, give what is good <clears throat> to those who ask. <clears throat> and I've got one more for you. The promise that the Lord adds in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, to the same statement. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know what the greatest need in every Christian's life in this room is? For more of the Holy Spirit. For more of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to use your own wisdom to figure it out. You need the wisdom of God through the Lord Jesus that comes through the Holy Spirit. You, you need instruction in the Word of God. I'm talking about old people in here as well as young people. Sometimes young, old people say, well, yeah, these young people, they need a lot more wisdom. So do you. So do you. We need to ask, not for the Holy Spirit, because we don't have the Holy Spirit, but for His filling, for His leadership, for His direction, for His guidance for His power, for His instruction, for Him to take the Word of God and open it. How much more, how, if I just prayed and said, Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God do more in my life. May I yield more to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. May I just allow the power of God to come in my life by yielding myself and submitting to the Holy Spirit and not grieving the Holy Spirit, how many of how many things I think are needs would vanish because I've asked for the right thing. Listen, to have the Holy Spirit is to have everything you need. It's to have the graces you need. It's to have the gifts you need. It's to have the teaching you need. It's to have the power you need. How much more when you're praying just remember this. Here's what God the Father says. Why, Mike, you just asked for that. I'd like to give you this much more. You're just asking for that. That's it. You're not going to ask for anything else. How much more? How much more? I'll give you the bread, but I'll give you some other things too. This is the joy of following Jesus. This is, we don't have a God who is stingy. We do not have a heavenly father <clears throat> who has a limited supply. So he's got to really cut it down so that all of us get a little bit. We have a heavenly father who lavishes out the grace of God upon all of his children. So we ask... There's nothing sadder than a prayerless saint. Nothing sadder. To come to the book of Revelation and find the church at Laodicea as an example of a church who thought they had no needs. I don't want to be that person. How I pray that First Baptist Church won't be that kind of a place. There is never a time when God the Father does not know your needs. Some of you are in the deep water right now. I understand. I'll walk with you, with you, talk to you about it. 
Some of you haven't told anybody but God some of the deep water you're in. There's never a time when God the Father does not know your needs. And God the Father is how much more? How much more do you need? It's the beauty and the sweetness of what did the Lord say to that man? I'm repeating myself from last week. Remember he came to him with his troubles and the Lord said, So what would you like for me to do? Have you ever been in prayer and as you prayed, the Lord said, so what do you really want me to do? So what do we remember today? Well, we've seen many things from these wonderful words in 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Listen, this is for you. I'm convinced that some of you, you've had to wait to the end of all this long talking to hear what is the best news for you of the day. Here's the best news for you today. Here's what the Lord's saying to you. Let the Holy Spirit take this now for you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And it's implied, everyone who seeks, finds. And it's implied, and everyone who knocks, it will be opened. To the praise of the glory of His grace. The Lord Jesus is near to the door. Well, springtime's come. The weather people have told us. We can observe the changes on the trees. Do you see the changing of the time, some of you are avoiding it. Some of you don't believe it. The Lord is near to the door. So many, many of us and the church around the world, we pray, come Lord Jesus.